Just as a warning, the following podcast contains some bad language, so if you're easily offended, I'll probably switch off now. You twat. Hi, yeah, um, Martin here, a uh, resident, uh, resident MC of Humor Comedy Club. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Sense of Humor podcast. Um, so we speak to Trish Dunn today. Uh, she's a ventriloquist comedian uh, from America, uh, but she lives over in the UK. She lives over in Norwich. Um, that's explained more in the podcast. Um, she tells us her, back, her backstory. Um, it's a very interesting podcast because it's slightly different to sort of a regular um, stand-up comedian. Uh, she's got obviously it's more of an act. It's more of a show. Each each set's more of a show from her, and she sort of explains that um, a little bit more when we talk to her. It gets a little bit deep again for some reason. Like the last one against uh, against uh, last one with Louis, uh, not against Louis, with Louis, got a little bit deep as well and about sort of his backstory. And this one definitely seems to follow that theme as well. And um, and yeah, you'll see what I mean. It's about halfway through the podcast, uh, or halfway through the chat, that we uh, we uh, sort of understand why Trish um, went from the day job, went for you know a, a nicely paid day job, as she sort of explains, um, in into the world of comedy. And I think it's, it is not to sound corny, but it is quite an inspiration. And I'm glad sort of she shared that with us. Um, so we chat about that. We chat about the local scene, uh, as always, and we have a bit of a, a surprise appearance at the end as well. Um, but yeah, again, we'll, we'll play a little bit of her stand up so you can hear what she's like. Obviously, it doesn't quite work um, because she's a ventriloquist and the act does involve a puppet and her not moving her lips. So you just have to pretend um, that you're there and that she's doing a great job of not moving her lips and that there is a second person on stage. Um, the clip we're going to play, play is her and Precious. Um, and and again, you know, she's very funny and gives, gives you a bit of an idea about what she's about. So have a listen to the set and then uh, listen to the, the lovely interview that we had with Trish Dunn. We're going to do our material. Now we're going to talk about my new TV show. Thank all my fans for coming out for my new TV show. What new TV show? Huh? We're not going to talk about a new TV show. Okay. Okay, well, if I let you talk about the new TV show, then can we do our material? <laughs> you are looking at one of the real housewives of Norwich. <laughs> <laughs> we all... That's not a show. Don't be hating just because you're too old and passionate to be on the show. No, 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 no. No, I happen to know I've watched some real housewife shows, and they always pick girls that have lots of money. I've got money. You've got money. Mm, thank you, Universal Credit. <laughs> Quit touching my leg. What, what? You keep touching my leg. What? Quit touching my leg. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> touching my leg. Hashtag me too. <laughs> it's just not like that. Lady. <laughs> you are a lesbian! <laughs> no. No. 
Martin, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm tired of being home. <laughs> doing good. Doing yeah. Good. Uh, how's, how's I'm, supposed be, I'm supposed to be in the US right now, so. I'm, uh, yeah. Yeah. I that's, uh, when, when, when were you supposed to go over to the US? Um, I was supposed to get, get over there right before July the 4th. Oh, and so you've missed that. Yeah, I was supposed to be in Cincinnati with all my weird ventriloquist friends this week. My the, the actual notification came in on my phone that said, time to check in at the um, Holiday Inn Cincinnati. Oh. I was like, ah! <laughs> Oh, Robert in. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> Thanks for that phone. Oh. oh, that's a shame. Real shame. Yeah, because um, um, for people who don't, who don't know, uh, Trish is, is half American or, and half English or whatever, you, you know, You've my, got American roots. My mom was English. My dad's yep. American. Yeah. Yeah. But you've, you, you know, you spend a lot of time over here as well, and and you are a ventriloquist, which is which is fun. Um, and and you're good fun to have on a bill, I think. And and we we, we love you lots. Um, but thank thank you for <clears throat> for coming on and and doing this. This is great. Um, so we just have a little chat, really. And um, I think the first question is. How did you get into stand-up? How did you start ventriloquism? I think that's a, a quite important one. Not necessarily the stand-up, but how did you realise that you could make voices and not move your lips? <laughs> okay, so so I was I was a very strange child. Um, I think it adds to it because we did spend so much time in in the UK because because as a little girl I was adopted, and I'm I'm not saying that makes you a ventriloquist, but Jeff Dunham and some very famous ventriloquists were adopted as well. So, okay. fun fact. Um, but, yeah, every single time, gr growing up the way I did, whenever school was out, we were in the UK. So, you get to your summer holiday, which was longer for U.S. kids than U.K. kids. We were in England. Every single time we were out of school for Christmas, we were in England. Every single time we were out of school for um, Easter we were in England. Um, one of the agreements my parents made was my dad did not want me to go to school in the UK. Um, he wanted us to go to American schools. Um, his money, his ways, but it it makes it difficult as a child because, you know, kids are quite fickle. Once you're gone, they get a new best friend. Um, I've always been very comfortable playing by myself, you know, as a little kid and games and stuff and here in the UK we get here most kids would be in school because your holidays were different from school holidays were different so I spent my I always had to play alone and when you play alone and you have stuffed animals I think it's natural that they start talking to you and they have personalities and um things like that and I saw this shows how old I am but I was very young I saw The Muppet Show and Edgar Bergen was on there and I saw him making a ventriloquist puppet talk. Um, and then, because kind of Sherry Lewis was a little bit, you know, and Edgar Bergen was old, then my mom's like, oh, she likes this. And then, of course, they, they found Sherry Lewis information and showed that to me. And my mom always insisted that the guy with the emu was a ventriloquist. Not because the emu never talked. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's that's how it came about. When I saw that you could do it without moving your lips, um, we went to the to the library and we checked out a book, and of course we stole it. We never returned it. 
doing ventriloquism ever since. <laughs> oh, brilliant. So like, were you, were you a ventriloquist when you, when, when you were a child or was this sort of a skill that, that yeah, came? I started making, I started, I didn't really understand. We checked out the book, but it didn't make sense to me because I probably wasn't quite old enough to understand it. So I started making all my dolls and animals and stuff. They all talked. They all had personalities. Um, flying a lot. I used to play airline stewardess. Or Oh, I'm sorry. It wasn't flight attendant back there. Airline stewardess, what it was called back then. <laughs> I would always have, so I would, I would get chairs and I would line the stuffed animals up. But they all were like disgruntled airplane people. And it was probably because we flew so much and I heard that. And I just started practicing not moving my lips and then of course when I was old enough to actually study how you're supposed to do it I don't do it anything like they say you're supposed to mm -hmm. but I do it so yeah, yeah. and then, you know you get to be a teenager and you're trying to be sexy and cool and you don't go around and make things talk because it freaks guys out <laughs> <laughs> have you ever done that though? have you ever actually freaked someone out with like I'm sure that's a brilliant prank to pay on you at your parents or or even an ex you want to get rid of you just start making dolls talk to them or something well I mean I used to torment my brothers you know they, you, <laughs> they're going to eat something and they're putting something in their mouth no don't eat me don't eat me <laughs> I mean, I've been sent away from the table so many times for things like that. um now I think when, once you get old enough that you start to date and you start to drive and you start to have you know you, you put it to the side I really, really actually wanted to pursue it as a career. Um, and I was accepted to a, a, a puppet and arts college, but it happened to be in um, New York. And my mother, because I was adopted, my mother was generationally too old biologically to be my mother. Mm -hmm. But growing up in a war, and because um, I mean, she did, I mean, in NART, she was very anti-entertainment and, and actually anti-your dreams. Um, I mean, it, it's a result, you know, anybody that has older grandparents, they, they don't look towards the future too much because when they were teenagers, the future might not be there. Yeah. Um, you know, boys she dated and this would, would never came back from the war and she never encouraged me to do anything like that. Every, everything was just, no, no, sit down, have a, cu have a cup of tea. No, 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 no. Um, so I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. And, and then I just started, you know, hobbying it. Um, and then said, I'm going to be a stand-up comedian ventriloquist. Did that. So when, when did that, because you, you worked in, we've had, we've had a few car journeys together, and you have said it. Was that, you worked sort of admin for warehouses and stuff like that, was it? I have a bachelor's degree in accounting. Okay. Um, I've worked as a controller, um, financial controller. That's like a chief financial officer. Um, I've worked in inventory control. I've managed lots of people. I've done, you know, head of shipping, shipping and receiving, head of a head of a trucking company. But I never wanted to do it. I no. I never wanted to do that. Made great money. Um, <laughs> not complaining i made great money I, my kids had nice things you know jordans and all the stuff they were spoiled rotten but but it's not what i ever really wanted to do um so you know. and did you so did you have all these you know very well paid jobs and were you doing the weekends and the evenings or did you just sort of make that conscious decision once right i'm going to stop that day job 
and now I'm going to pursue. So, so what happened was, and it's it's not a nice story, but it's a wonderful story, I think. Um, I, I always played around with the ventriloquism. You know, in the States, I mean, it's the Bible Belt. We always go to church and we do Bible school. And, and I did crazy plays all the time with the puppets, kind of the Avenue Q style, but ventriloquy. Um, and doing that for years, then something happened to me um, where I had something very bad happen to me and I was attacked and, um, and I was threatened that I would be killed and it was not a good experience and I couldn't work and I couldn't do anything for two weeks because I was beaten so badly I didn't want my children to see me. Uh, so I I was held up in my house and during that time that's about the same time that Jeff Dunham had doing his you know he's starting to become well known I had seen Jeff Dunham performing as a ventriloquist in the comedy clubs huge fan of comedy um, myself my friends my, my, my boy's daddy my baby daddy we went to comedy a lot we loved it we always went to see the ventriloquist but as I'm stuck at home and I, to me, in my mind, I came very close to death. You know, it sounds stupid, but because I probably was, it probably wasn't that severe. But you know, that the person that attacked me said, "You, you're gonna die. You're gonna die tonight." B word. Um, and I think just it made me think. You know, why am I being an accountant when that's not what I want to do? So while I was at home, bruised up, um, I happened to notice there was a Comedy Zone comedy class. And I ordered uh, two ventriloquist puppets and I signed up for the class. Um, and I went and from, I took the class and after graduation, I immediately started emceeing and performing for the comedy zone. Mm -hmm. And um, after so many years, then I said, you know what? I don't have to work as an accountant anymore. And I did. And then you did that for I think thank you for sharing that. I had no idea. Sorry to put you on the spot a little bit there, but that's that's, okay. that's a hell of a story. That's lovely. Like in a very <laughs> shit. <laughs> no, thank you. It's a bad thing. I mean, you sit there and you think, you know, it was I mean it was scary, it was bad. It was one of those situations where I mean I have no animosity towards the person that attacked me because they were high on drugs. They probably really didn't know what they were doing. Um, I, I mean, they shouldn't have done it. They shouldn't have gotten messed up. But it's not like I hate, want them dead. You know, it's nothing like that. I just focus on the fact that I tricked them out of the house. I got away. And it gave me, like, the humpsfer to not care what anybody thought. I was going to become a ventriloquist. Yeah. So, and, and you did, and you are. And I think that's, that's brilliant. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I don't I've no other further questions you honor that. <laughs> I've actually never told the full story, like, but you know, there's nothing to be ashamed of, though. So, no, definitely not. And I think, I think, like you say, it is, I think it's a powerful story, and it, I think people should definitely have, I think everyone will go through moments like that, maybe not as dramatic or as serious as that, but definitely a, a point in their life where something's going to switch and go, right, I'm actually going to do something and it's and it's great to see that, that it has it's worked out for you massively like you did it full-time over in the states and you know you you definitely when you came over i mean when you came over here you just watched huma gigs and I, I told you this i think that i just you messaged the huma page saying i was just wondering you know how how can i 
how can I get involved? And I thought, oh, yeah, just someone in the audience just wants to have a... And then you did your first go, like, fuck, well, I was wrong. She's amazing. Like, we need to get you booked more. And and I think you've established yourself in this country as well. And it's it's lovely to see. But, yeah. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's sweet. <laughs> and when I got here, that I didn't feel like I had acclimated to the comedy scene. I, I, I had a lot to learn. I needed to hmm. watch people and get a feel and... You know, there, there's more to British comedy than the two Ronnies and Mrs. Bouquet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, the two bits you pick. It's just two Ronnies and uh, keeping up appearances. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, one, but, you know, that, those were the things that I think as a little girl, I remember coming over and my brothers were obsessed with the two Ronnies. So that sticks in my head. You know, being very young, but my, my brother's obsessed with it. And and for F-word's sake, I mean, on PBS in the States, it's Are You Being Served and Mrs. Bouquet over and over. Really? Yes. And, We've and, got better stuff than that. <laughs> and like 20-year-old EastEnders. What the heck? I know. It's sad. It's very sad. Yeah. And we just have repeats of Friends in this country. So I think who got the better deal there? <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the, it's like everything. And what is it? The sofa commercial? So if you're a washed up American star, nothing personal against Snoop Dogg for the Deliveroo or whatever. The <laughs> but it's kind of like, you know, you know, you're done when you end up on stupid commercials in the UK. I'm sorry. <laughs> just... <laughs> so how, how does... I mean, you've you've gigged in here, you've gigged in the UK now for a little while, and you've done all sort of the different levels of gigs in the UK. I think now you know you've done done our open mic nights and some professional nights and stuff. How does how does it compare to like the American scene where where you you know that's where you learnt your trade that you know you emceed the comedy zone regularly and stuff like that. And so how how do the two the two circuits and the two scenes compare to each other? I think I think you know personality wise, it's it's the same. I mean the com the comedy's different, but I think. I, I have the same feeling in the U.S. I've always felt like the the circle of comedians are very encouraging to each other, and you have some quieter people, and you have some really out there people. But I think all in all, people are encouraging and accepting, and 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 fun. And I think it's the same thing here in the U.K. I, I will say here in the U.K., um, you have more options of smaller gigs, and and that people in the U.K seem to expect or want small live entertainment compared to like the big arenas and the big clubs. Whereas in the US, it seems to be all, you know, the huge, you know, the big comedy zone with all the hundreds of people or, you know, the big arena, your, your smallish pubs, you don't get to ever do much more than open mic. Whereas here, you can be in a really nice, fun, cozy place and do a comedy show and people like it and it's and and i i actually love that a lot more i think it's yeah. great i think it's great yeah i think that's probably i don't know maybe we've got a small mentality but it does seem like the most the more people i speak to about comedy and stuff like you know comedians they prefer the the 60 seat a pub back room rather than you know early you know, the people i speak to aren't doing arenas but they don't like the idea of arenas they'd much rather do a little theater and yeah. have a little sort of intimate feeling. I think that's good. I think that's probably what what we what we thrive on. And maybe we've just converted you. That's. 
actually love it here. I love that. Good. We we love we love having you. It's uh, so because obviously you're from you're from you live in Norwich City, so NC, and you you're from from North Carolina, NC. Is there was that deliberate? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that I mean, not not unless my dad planned it. He he was <laughs> he, he was he was a bomber at Ratkeith, and he ran into my mom, who was a Royal Observer Corps person, and they met at a dance or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> so, with the ventriloquism and stuff, is is that? what you envisage is that what you want to do would you ever go and do i don't know a full set around the puppets or does does stand up scare you or anything like or is it just you like that the, the act is is the thing is together you do your your opening monologue as you call it in the states and then and then do your then do the puppetry is that i i absolutely hate stand up without the puppet <laughs> absolutely hate it the opening monologue, it, it's like nails on a chalkboard, sick to my stomach. But once I come out there, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. but, but I hate it. I do absolutely hate it. Um, and I want to I want to perform with the puppet. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just, I like that. The, but I feel like the opening monologue is necessary. Because mm -hmm. if I just come out with the puppet, I'm a weird girl with a puppet. You know, this is old lady with a puppet or just, it's just, you know, I have to establish myself as a somewhat normal human being without, without the puppet. I think that seems, seems typical with, I mean, I don't watch a lot of ventriloquism. I'll, I'll live away like Nina Conti and Jeff Dunham is probably my limit. So the, the bigger names, yeah. but yeah. they all seem to do that opening monologue or that, and this is me. Hi, hi, I'm so-and-so let's introduce my friend is that is that typical for a ventriloquist or that are there some that come on kicking it in the dick with a puppet and stuff like that well there, there are some that'll walk right out and and be introduced as you know i mean introduced as two people and people walk, walk uh, out i my experience is and i've tried it that way because sometimes you get really tiny sex mm -hmm. um, but my thoughts every single time and there's things that that you know if the audience knows there's a ventriloquist, they're more receptive. In other words, they see a picture of you with the puppet. Or if the audience sees you without the puppet, they're more receptive. If you if they have no idea there's a there's a ventriloquist, and then you walk out with a puppet, there's one thing in comedy that will kill your punchlines or your premise, and that's if the audience is trying to work you out. Mm -hmm. They have no idea, and you just walk out with a puppet, whether you're male, female, black, white, whatever, they're processing all, you know, in their heads, they're going, OMG, they've got a puppet. <laughs> they're not even hearing you get into your, you know, it, it's too quick. Whereas if they know that there's a ventriloquist on the lineup, or you walk up and you say, I've got this friend, they see the case, they're like, something's up. Then they can accept it, and they're right on board with you with your setups and off gate. So I think it's important to yeah. try to do that. And how does that work with MC? And do you do you still go, "Hi, I'm Trish," blah 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 blah. Well, by the way, I, before we bring some guys out, I've got another friend to bring out. Is that when I am when I when I MC, I come out and and I'm and I'm goofy and I'm whatever and I'm just what we're gonna do and we do the ground rolls and. And then, oh, by the way, you know, I and I do some kind of joke 
that leads to me being a ventriloquist and then oh I've got someone that you know I hate doing this but they're really comfortable do you mind if I get my friend and take it out um, uh, yeah. yeah so how many how many puppets do you have that in active service if you like at the minute in, in active working service <laughs> earning their keep um we have agnes the old lady we have precious the diva with the um big you know what's it's um <laughs> we have agnes's husband cecil we have the redneck who was abducted by aliens clem <laughs> and um and then we have at Christmas time, we have Leroy the Redneck Reindeer, and we have Cornelius, who is from Norwich, <laughs> and he's working on getting his mojo back so he yep. can actually do something. And of course, my rat, my yeah. my rat, although it's <laughs> wonderful, I love my rat. So yeah, which we've we've spoke we spoke about your rat at great length, haven't we? Um, <laughs> just yeah. because of of how. Disgusting that sounds when you say, "Let me get my rat out." <laughs> oh, but he's the best—he's the best MC ever. So. Yeah. <laughs> and who—who's your favorite? Who is? I don't worry, I don't think they're listening, so it's fine. But uh, who's your favorite? My, my absolute. Okay, it's not so much that you have favorites as much as you—you you get to a point that you know this personality inside and out, so that if you're heckled or something comes up you can respond as that person without even thinking about it. And that's like your cast character, no matter what. And Agnes is definitely my cast character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nobody, nobody can throw anything at her with, I won't be confused. She'll know how to answer. Which I suppose you do have to kind of, I, you know, it's you're the expert in this compared to me, but like you do, you have to sort of split your brain into two and thought, and like, right, that stuff's going to deal with, with Trish and how she's going to respond to stuff. And then this half is going like Agnes. And then you just, or is it very natural? You can sort of switch between the two. It's very natural. You, you've come, you, and I think someone, someone once said that one of the thing, ventriloquism is more than just not moving your lips. It's actually believing that something that is not real is real. It's giving life to something that's not real. And I think it's more a case of you, believe this character you get to know this person you haven't pushed the envelope far enough mm -hmm. i can't do that <laughs> <laughs> i my mind doesn't work that way i can't walk on the edge like that but you know it was advice yeah <laughs> So, because you, uh, you're because you're in on the know, is is there a sort of an up and coming ventriloquist who could who could be as big as Jeff, or or are we are we not going to see something like that in our time? No, I think definitely I can I can sit here and um there there's a guy by the name of Landon Harvey's on TikTok. He comes to the mm -hmm. convention, and I don't want to slight anybody else because no. um there 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 are two, there are a couple of guys, uh, Jeff Goltz and um. Oh God, I can't remember the other boy's name. And they perform in California. And, and yeah, I it's a good possibility they they could be the next Jeff. Dunn. Not downing any women, not down mm -hmm. women. It just um, they, they popped to my head, and I, I watched them grow as children. God, I wish I could remember that because I'm slighting him by not remembering his name. But his name, it's and it's just escaped me. But there there's three guys that I can think of, and Landon Harvey probably from the top 
and I'd say, boom, yeah, you're going to see, you're going to see things. But mm-hmm. I wish I could, I wish I could name a girl right off the top of my head, but girls tend to, uh, um, there's a girl in Canada and I think she's like university age above. She's really good. She's really funny. She was on the real U.S. gong show kind of thing and she's done a couple things like that but but yeah and then of course you've got that darcy lynn that sings and i what <laughs> you don't want me to sing but <laughs> um you mentioned uh, just because it popped into my head you mentioned the gong show but would you would you ever go and do something like britain's got talent or america's got talent or anything like that would because i think because you've got that variety aspect of being a ventriloquist, it'd probably lend, you'd lend yourself more to them sort of shows than not think, speaking from personal experience, but maybe this, you know, straight stand-up. Is that something you do? I think, well, I think the, the problem with those shows are that they want something more, they want something bigger and they want something spectacular. They want the wow effect. Um, you know, you had Steve Hewlett, awesome British ventriloquist, absolutely wonderful. You can catch him at Cromer Pier. And he was on Britain's Got Talent, and he came in second. And it, it, after he did that, and then in the U.S., of course, you had Terry Fader, who did the singing impressions. Then Paul Zerden, they wanted another ventriloquist. So not to say anything to Paul, but it's like, he had to do this and he had to do that and he had to do that. They want the wow effect. They want the wow effect. So in a way, it'd be great if you could get on there and you could you could do what you want to and actually show your talent as a traditional ventriloquist. But chances are there's an agenda behind those kind of things and they want you to conform to something. So yes. <laughs> um, in, in, that, in that respect. And then and then The other thing is, is that, and this is probably wrong for me to say it, but there are lots of talent shows and things like that that you can get into. But if if you're already making your living performing, to go and do the smaller ones, it's almost like you're saying, hey, please accept me as a professional. But if I have to accept you as a professional because you're going to compete in this local contest, why am I then going to spend $20, $10 to go and see you over there? Mm -hmm. So I kind of don't, me personally, I'm not comfortable doing those kind of things. Because I, I think the long and short of it, long and tall of it, whatever the correct term is, is that I want you to come and see me when I'm in a show for Puma or for Glass Eye, and I want you to pay to do that. But I also want you to pay to go see me at Beckles Public Hall at, at you know, whatever the, all these shows that were canceled. Um, um, you know, the Seagull Theater. I want you to, to be comfortable spending 15 pounds, 10 pounds to come see me. While, if, if I've got to go and do a little talent show, why would you pay to come and see me? Kind of thing. That's just, that's just the way I look at it. Yeah. And maybe I'm wrong. People can disagree with me. That's why. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you're onto something there. And because you mentioned about your shows, obviously we we spoke quite a lot before before lockdown. We're 
you know, looking at the venues for you and sort of scratching our heads between us, like where where can you go and perform? Do you prefer doing doing your show, being being on the poster and being the Trish Dunn show, or is it? Or is is that better for you, or do do you like being a part of like a compilation show, like a Hoover or a Glass Eye or something like that? I, I love them both. I love them both because to me they both they both serve a, a purpose. Now, granted, um, if I'm doing a full show, you can see if I'm doing a full show, you've got me for an hour, hour and a half. You can see all the different voices. That as a as a ventriloquist, there's things I want to prove to you. And you may not even realize that I want to prove to you. I want to prove to you that my voices don't sound the same. Some ventriloquists, not mentioning any names, if you're not seeing the puppet, you might think it sounds like the other puppet. I want to prove to you as a ventriloquist that my puppets move the right way and you're going to look at them. I want you to see that my puppets sound different. I want you to see that they are interesting characters in and of themselves. I can only do that if it's a full show. Mm-hmm. However, I want you to know that I exist because I think ventriloquism is niche. You can love stand-up comedy and you don't give two hoots about the prop comedian or the variety comedian or the ventriloquist. Um, or you may have never seen a ventriloquist and, oh my God, I was at this Huma gig. I saw a ventriloquist. I want to see her again. So it it allows me to find people that are interested in ventriloquism and want to see more ventriloquism and it keeps me sharp or at least I hope it keeps me sharp. (laughs) It, it makes me, it, you know, it makes me think more about my comedy and, um, it's a great way to, you know, meet people and network and all too. So I think, I think all of that, obviously I want to do my own shows, but I want to do as many I guess what you call a, a comedian showcase show as possible too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I suppose it's the same for whether it's ventriloquism, you know, or, or straight stand-up. You, you yeah. obviously you want people you know, financially. It's better for you if they just come and see your show. But you want to keep fresh and you want to keep relevant and you want to keep in the public eye and the public mind by doing these compilation shows. And I think, yeah. I suppose, yeah. And I suppose for you, it is better for you as as a ventriloquist so you then can show your whole talents in an hour whereas a stand-up we're just going to do jokes for an hour it's going to be the same yeah there'll be different jokes but not in the same way that your whole act changes from from puppet to puppet essentially yeah no, I'm, I'm just speaking, i'm thinking out loud there that's there yeah, nice. um so obviously you you live in norwich um you do go to the uh, to the us when you're not locked in your house um because of a bat eating nutter um and and causing corona um but you know you, you live you live here and you do a lot obviously on on the local scene what what are your thoughts about norwich and, and comedy because you've seen it from i mean you, you when did you move here sort of full time and thought oh i'm going to start looking at comedy when when did that happen um so I, I was flying my mother over before she passed away and, and I was looking for comedy in Norwich that I could do for the like week or two that I was always stuck here and, and I had trouble finding it. Um, then when I decided to actually move here and I started looking and um, I picked up one of those, oh God, was it the outline or out whatever? Uh, outline, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so outline. And, we, and I went to a, 
a gig at the Walnut Tree Shades, and it was before you guys were doing it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, all right, at least I found one comedy night. And then I found another comedy night at the Rose Pub or something like that. And that was like, I was like Methuselah. It was all students in it. And the whole hour was just, you hate your mom and dad and you hate government. And, you know, and, um, but then, and then of course, then I go away and then I come back and then um, I, I officially moved here. Now, right after I officially moved here is when then, Walnut Tree Shades, then Con was doing it. Mm-hmm. I started showing up, and then I, you were doing um, Wyndham or doing the others, and I started showing up, and, and it went from me thinking, oh, my God, there's, like, absolutely no comedy. And it's funny because my magician, hypnotist, other entertainer friends in the U.K. are all like, no, you can't live in Norfolk and, and do that. You have to live in Birmingham, or you have to live in... Blackpool or just all these places and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I'm from Norwich I'm not from um, <laughs> and my mom always said the weather was better um, <laughs> um, but you know I'm actually I think I think you I think it's you I give you credit for it I think you've done an amazing job because you are as strong a force I think as Comedy Zone was in the Charlotte Gastonia area and and it's just, it's great. You know, it's great. There's always comedy. There's always finding comedy. And, and it's, it's wonderful. When I first moved here, it was like a dream that it could be this good. And now it is. It is. Because there's always something going on. And it's and you work really hard to make good quality. You're not, you're not just some guy that's showing up with a speaker and a microphone so you can vent. You're actually doing good quality comedy and you're giving people a chance to do good quality comedy for people and i think it's phenomenal i think it's phenomenal. i'd just like to point out i didn't ask this question to boost my ego it's just a genuine question about yeah. what do you think of norwich comedy at the moment so, well thank you that's, that's really and that's obviously what home is trying to do and and why we're doing this podcast so we can talk about sort of behind the curtain and get a feel about there is something in Norwich happening and I think that is I mean I've spoke to Tom and Louis so far on these podcasts and that is the theme that we've taken from it is that there is something happening in Norwich and we've got a good standard in Norwich now so and I mean we spoke um, in the last podcast with Louis um, about the effects of the pandemic on comedy in general and we both agree that it could become more regionalized so it it could mean that instead of this one big UK circuit, it becomes a Norfolk circuit and people and, you know, the comedy gets better because the local comedians are getting more stage time instead of trying to drive all around the country for a five minute spot. You know, there'll be a shed load of spots you could do within a 20 mile radius, which I think could be positive. And hopefully Hoover can be a part of that. And for my own wallet's sake, I can make a bit of money from it. But, you know, it's I'm, I'm glad that you've kind of from your short time from moving here from from wanting to do a couple of gigs when when you sort of popped over for for a week or two for nothing and now there's actually a recognizable scene just from you know a couple of years really so that's positive and really it's good that you've you've noticed that which is which is nice exciting. it is exciting <laughs>
Um, cool. Shall we, shall we do? Shall we do this? Um, this Alan Bennett game. Um, for those for those who haven't listened to the other ones, um, thanks for your support. Um, for those um, who have listened to the to the other ones, but just want uh, uh, reminding what we're doing. So Alan Bennett, um, a comic or a playwright. Um, I don't know a lot about him, but um, in one of his plays, he did Norwich, uh, which was uh, which stood for Knickers Off Ready When I Come Home. And I'm just going to ask all my guests um, to essentially spell Norwich. Um, and each each letter of the word Norwich is going to have some sort of meaning to them or something they can refer back to um, to the local scene. Um, you can't see this obviously because we're just listening to it on a podcast. But um, Trish has now picked Agnes up, and um, so I think we may have a surprise appearance from Agnes. Um, so should we? Should... She wanted to do this. <laughs> well, fair enough. And we we I mean the the thing we spoke about was can can you do the voice without her picking her up? And it's obviously yeah. no. <laughs> I, ha I know you can't see her, but I cannot do the voice unless I'm holding her. I'm sorry. It's a mental defect for me. <laughs> um, okay, so, so Agnes, Trish, who I'm referring to. Hello, hello, Agnes, by the way. Oh, hello there, Norton. <laughs> you look good, young man. <laughs> uh, brilliant. And I like the fact that she, she hasn't moved her lips either when, she, when Trish is controlling Agnes. It's brilliant. <laughs> Um, cool, Agnes. Um, N, N for Norwich. N for Norwich. It's their nightlife because the threats of Wales Road is better than a Walmart at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine you've been down the Prince of Wales Road much, Agnes. Oh, I had to get my husband out of that flaunt a couple of times. <laughs> I have a flaunt. <laughs> no, whatever it is down there. You, I just don't know what you... Or sugar and spice, that's what sugar it is. Sugar and spice, yeah. What I is it? Oh, my God, I hope it's not a cake. Oh, is there I, think so. I think it's a different conversation if you call them in flaunt. <laughs> oh, oh, ah! oh, dear. Oh dear! Say so! <laughs> oh God! Um, oh, Agnes. Oh, I had trouble with oh, but I'd like to say that oh reminds me of the shape that Trish has gotten since COVID nineteen. <laughs> hey, we did your roast a couple of weeks ago, Agnes. Behave. Ah. Mm. <laughs> uh, R, R, and, oh, I put R and W together for the rhythm went some. Oh, very nice. Well, I know we're not all stupid North Carolinians, are we? I. Inbred. Okay, yeah, fair enough. You're the first person to say that for that one. Lovely. Oh, well, you know, I'm from Gastonia. We're known for inbred too, and I moved to <laughs> I mean, what else would I think? Uh, C. C is for you got a castle and a cathedral in Norwich. Right, we've got two cathedrals, Agnes. Oh, that's right. You got that Catholic one. You got yeah. Catholic. That's a double C. <laughs> Sounds like a bar size to me, but whatever. Uh, H or H, however you want to pronounce it. H is for my favorite store in Norwich, the House of Frazier. <laughs> nice, nice, lovely. Well, that that is Norwich. Thank you, Agnes. Thank you for a little surprise appearance. Your little cameo there that's very nice. Thank you. Um, Thank you for me. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I think that that's that's lovely. Thank you, thank you, Trish, for doing this. Um, we've had a good chat. I, 
got a bit deep in points, but I think you really, really, honestly, thank you for sharing that. I think that was lovely. Um, you are at Giggles in the Garden, aren't yeah. you? On the 25th of July, you're doing, aren't you? Doing the Saturday. Um, yeah. So come along and see Trish there. Um, and you are a staple of Huma Comedy. So once we're back up and running, I'm sure there'll be plenty of occasion to see Trish in a Huma gig. Um, follow Trish on Facebook mainly. You're mainly on Facebook, aren't you? That's where you do all your main page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'll put a link in 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 the comments when we share this on Facebook. So do follow Trish on there. You do. Um, it's been sort of weekly, hasn't it? Sort of a little weekly hour of your thoughts with Agnes. Yeah, about fifteen or twenty minutes every Friday at three thirty, for the most part. Yeah. Um, Agnes gives some thoughts, and people can ask her questions. Nice. Yeah, so do go check it out. That's good fun. We, 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 if we remember, we share that on Humor as well. I don't always do it, but um, if I remember, I share it. Um, but yeah, no, keep an eye out for Trish. She's, she's hilarious. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you really much. Uh, thank you very so much for doing this. And it was good chatting to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Bye. Hello. Back with me. Um, yeah so, so that was that was trish um again you can see what i mean it was um a lot lot of emotion in that chat um again not to sound too corny um but yeah it definitely was i wasn't expecting that i didn't know that about trish um um you know the, the bit she shared with us about about why she chose to go into comedy and 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 yeah that backstory i i you know i spent many a car journey with her you know i've, I've gone to the pub with her a few times before and after gigs and stuff like that and um, but i didn't know that about her so that was a that that was a bit of a surprise and and for me it was like how do i react to to that but um but she's you know uh, you know i thank her again for letting me share that with you and hopefully it you know will uh, sort of resonate with a few of you listening um in a positive way, obviously. Um, anyway, stuff like that. It's a comedy podcast, Martin. Um, so Trish is um, going to be doing Giggles in the Garden on the 25th of July um, at the Bowling House in Norwich on Durham Road. Um, and yeah, she is a cornerstone of Huma. She's she's in and around most Huma Huma gigs. So when we're back up and running again, I'm sure you'll see her and hopefully see some sort of um, some new material from her as well and we can start seeing some of these other characters that she spoke about and i think that would be a good thing um but yes 25th of july at the bowling house uh, for giggles in the garden tickets are available on eventbrite it's 20 pound a ticket but it's a table of four so it's five pound ticket because you need that explaining again um i would so don't worry it's not a slight on you it's a slight on me um but yes so thank you very much for listening to this one with trish Tam. hopefully um our next podcast will be bringing um another big name of comedy uh, which is is fantastic and it will be sort of a norfolk day special and um, so do check back in for that see you again thanks <laughs>